Welcome everybody to Digital Cowboys Video Games Episode 88, dated Friday the 16th of January 2009. And as you may have noticed, that's a slightly different introduction. My name is Alex Shaw. I'm Paul Shot. A bit confused, but anyway, never mind. <laughs> I'm Tony Atkins. Well, I shall allay your confusion there, Paul. Um, okay. Explain it to me. Eagle-eared listeners, or I suppose, was it Ears of the Wolf? Right. Wolf-eared listeners may have noticed uh, that uh, I we missed out uh, movies there. Since episode one onwards, we've uh, been doing movies and video games, and uh, in recent times, we've just figured it, it's kind of time for a change. We're going to talk about that in just a second as to why we changed. But I'm just going to go over quickly what you can be expecting us, uh, in the future. We've re- reformatted the show to shift our focus from both movies and video games to just pure video games with maybe the odd movie mentioned now and again. Changes you'll be seeing include name change from Digital Cowboys Movies and Video Gaming Podcasts to just Digital Cowboys Video Games. No more film reviews in the core episodes and that means no more talking about films you've, you know, never heard of and probably never will and, you know, uh, it's... Lots and lots of our previous episodes, we've talked about some fairly esoteric films and gone into you know, alarming amounts of detail on them. And ultimately, we, we kind of need to focus as a uh, show if we need to get anywhere. Um, and while we've always enjoyed being the one podcast that looks in almost equal abundance in uh, to films and video games, it can't have escaped to anybody's attention that we've been doing a lot more video games recently and a lot less films. And also, significantly, it's really tough to marry those two audiences together. So... Uh, we're also doing less emphasis on scoring in our discussions on current, current games. Again, we're not a review website, and uh, not officially anyway, <laughs> and uh, we don't get sent review copies of games. We have to play them on our own, and a lot of the time buy them on our own. It takes us quite a long time to finish a game, by which point we have to try and you know get the review done in that one episode, and it could be weeks sometimes before we actually get to review the game. Tony's found this specifically because he tends to finish games so very quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I've had more difficulty, and Paul has supreme difficulty, even in some cases opening the box, Mirror's Edge. <laughs> never even take it out of the tray. I don't so, think ever put it in the tray. We're still going to talk about video games even more now than uh, before, and especially what we've been playing. But there's less emphasis on reviewing them because ultimately, it's we can do more than just review them. We can talk about them in depth without ju- ju- just giving a, a few brief paragraphs on to whether you should buy this or not. And ultimately, you can get more, I believe, of an in-depth look at the uh, the game from from that point of view. More of a shelf life. This also means that we're not all like obliged to play the same games at once and like, like Paul why haven't you played Mirror's Edge why haven't you played Mirror's Edge because you know he, d- he doesn't have time <laughs> and why haven't I played Lips I, f- I don't know do you even have it no well, it's no, well they, you know, they don't, I own Mirror's Edge you, you, you know, so I don't really have an excuse you have an excuse you don't have Lips <laughs> <laughs> okay more written reviews of games on the blog some listeners might not even know much about the blog digitalcowboys.libsyn.com I've been putting up a couple of little reviews on there and uh, yeah I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot more of them in the future but you guys are by all means uh, encouraged to uh, write your own and uh, yeah referring ultimate... to us listeners not yeah, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you could write your own if you want to put them in the comment sections but uh yeah it's um it's 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 all basically that means that like the final scores and things can be relegated to the uh to the blog and we can sort of get those reviews done but in more of a uh you know an easy to read quick se- uh, section so you're not you know forced to find the actual review in, in the middle of a massive podcast um the new format is going to be gaming news 
then special feature, then what have we been playing, then listener mail, if we have any. So far, we've only had a few emails in the past few months. Thank you very much, Pirate Byatt and Midge Meister. Um, but, uh, and very occasionally, um, my old friend Matt. But, uh, yeah, basically it's going to be, uh, gaming news is going to be, well, as it sounds, everything that's been going, well, everything. Just specific stories that have caught our eye. Uh, in, a bigger in the, core part of the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's going to be more of a thing, and we're going to be sort of, um, rather than just sort of, you know, saying, oh, this game's coming out, we're actually talking about what's actually going on in gaming. Um, the special feature is going to be different every week, and we're going to focus on a different aspect of gaming and have a, you know, decent, proper talk about it. Uh, what have we been playing? Now, we don't know whether to do this at the beginning or the end, because a lot of the time we spend so long talking about what we've been playing and watching that we have only half a podcast left to talk about anything See else. See, last week. Yeah. See, last week. We never got to talk about print journalism, and that's coming up today. Um, but uh, we're going to try for a short while doing, well, to see, you know, as a trial period, doing what have we been playing after the special feature, because then we'll know, oh, we've only got 15 minutes left, let's get it done. Um, and then listen a mail if anyone wants to write in to, with any requests for what we could talk about maybe later or questions for us specifically, then go for it and you'll be read out at that point on the air. We are also aiming to try for an hour per show. This is ludicrous to any of our uh, fans that we have never gone under an hour. I think once we went under an hour and that was when we really needed to get that it was done in the quick. dark days, the black... The... No, that was fairly recently. Oh, but, right. uh, <laughs> Probably Skype crash, that's why. No, 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 I think it was around the Christmas period and, and we just had to get some stuff done because we were just incredibly busy at that point. But um, And that leads on to the reason why we're doing this really is because we are incredibly busy. Nowadays. Yeah, we, we are busy, but at the same time, this is one of the highlights of my week and I really don't want to mm. ever stop doing this uh, as long as you guys are willing to. Um, Paul, um, on the episodes when we're doing things that Paul doesn't give a flying monkey about, like, for example, World Warcraft... Warcraft. <laughs> he's probably going to be taking a, a back seat on that one and we might even Yay. have a, a guest star in who like who actually uh, knows something about the topic and, and can comment yeah. on it rather if, than for just example, snide remarks in the back yeah. if for example we want to talk about Mass Effect and Tiger Woods guess who we're having on uh, <laughs> yeah. if he, if he uh, quantum, races of his presence back. again of course Not, uh, you know, you're never going to you're never going to entice him back on if you keep calling him an old man young man quantum young, young virile man quantum okay. otherwise known so but yeah we're going to aim for an hour per show probably not going to happen but it at least means that we'll be tight and there'll be less rambling um, and we will be doing movie specials specials for films that everyone is likely to want to see for example Watchmen Harry Potter Transformers Avatar things that are like big event movies we're going to be like um, doing a special you know review segment for them but that'll be part of a completely different show in addition to our regular show so you know when you're doing your iTunes or whatever it'll pop up as uh, the Watchmen uh, movie review and it'll be at the same time as the regular episode Crank that makes sense? Two, naturally crank two. Of course, crank two. So <laughs> it will have a, a special two-hour show dedicated to well, it. I, I was going to go with three hours. But of Jason Statham. Yeah, we were going to get maybe Jason Statham to come on and do an yeah. interview. Hey, maybe we should do Digital Cowboys films for those. A whole separate thing. make it. It's a, a it's whole a separate We can do a special. Do you want to pay the, da- the bandwidth on that, Tony? Damn right. Bring it on. I think ultimately our audience are going to... Uh, we know our audience enough, all 12 of them, to uh, know <laughs> what kind of movies they like. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, ultimately, we did like The Dark Knight and Iron Man and things like that in depth last year. And, and Wally. My copy's and, winging its way to me of The Dark Knight. Um, 
Awesome film. So yeah, I think ultimately it, it makes more sense to uh, to keep the movie separate. That way we can really aim at a video game audience, which is ultimately what this show has been getting increasingly more and more about in the past few months. Um, you guys want to talk about why we're kind of, you know, your reasons for maybe slackening up on films and maybe even sort of lifting lifting out of them for a while. Not being asked, basically. Uh, it's, uh, often, more often than not, I found myself thinking, well, I could, I'd really want to see that, and I just and end up just for some reason. Stuff just prevents, you know, work and whatnot, you know, prevents prevents me from having the ability to actually go there. And by the time I finish work, get out of work, it's like, I really can't be asked to go and watch a two and a half hour film where Angelina Jolie gets kicked around and emotionally distressed and all that kind of stuff when I can probably let, watch it. Yeah, although, you know, I'll probably go and see like a film like The Reader, probably because, well, Kate Winslet's norks are in it. Um, and things like that. <laughs> Always but, a reason. Well, it's like yeah. confessions of a of a gamer in this. Particular it's pretty podcast. much yes, and basically, uh, it just I I often more often than not find myself not being asked. I've actually made a bit of an effort last weekend. I mean, we'll get on to Slumdog Millionaire later on, but um, in brief detail. In brief detail, but we we you know I think that's for me has been the main the main issue. Just I just ha- there hasn't really there's been a whole months months and months of just nothing terribly interesting on, and it's sort of the the cumulative effect of that followed on with you know with the, ma- the manic two month period when like every video game on the planet was released yeah. um, at the same time and uh, I think it's just I've, I've, I've just become a bit a bit yeah a bit meh about it all really yeah we are experiencing by the way the backlash of the writer's strike uh, from a while ago so now there aren't I mean there are movies coming out just none that I really want to see aside from I mean things like Benjamin Button and the Row yeah too. um it's it's much harder for me than either of you two because to actually go and see a movie I have to go with my wife because she can drive and I can't drive and the only cinema anywhere near to us is is a car journey away um, and we have to get a babysitter for uh, my five month old daughter which we don't know any you know fifteen year old girls with you know no disposable income and you know free evenings. Um, who are trustworthy anyway. And uh, ultimately, to that end, with the whole setup of... I mean, it's... To get someone to babysit for your, your child, you've got to really trust them. You've got to get your hand over to them. It takes half an hour just to do all that. And then when you come home, you've got to do that and all that. And you feel indebted. And all that just for a film. And all that just for a film. And the yeah. most recent one we went to see was Incarn. I thought, oh, yeah, it's just not worth it. So... Um, I, most of my films I'm going to be watching now are going to be uh, Blu-rays and rentals and things like that, and that's fine. It's just that it'll be six or seven months after they've come out, and people can you know decide whether or not to watch them, and we'll probably have already done so. So uh, my, my uh, film views are going to become increasingly irrelevant for uh, people who are going to see stuff at the cinema. Uh, Tony, well, for me, I mean, there's a couple of things. My, I, I, I have a love of film, and I always did do. But you know, back in the day when I was I was young and had free time. Everywhere I, I went and saw like 350 films in the cinema, and that was a fantastic chapter of my life. Mm. Unfortunately, nowadays that's it's just not a possibility, and the cinema for me is a good half an hour drive away at least, um, and it's a long way to go to see normally just one film. And I, I'm still trying to make sure that I, I do it once a week just to kind of stay within there. But like Paul, I just <laughs> a lot of the times I just can't be asked now, and it takes a special film to actually drag me out, and certainly like good reviews at the same time now to drag me to the cinema and it doesn't help then you know to do a podcast about something that you know you're not really enjoying too much anymore mm. um, on top of that I, you know the podcast is something special to us and we were faced with a decision at the end of the, you know coming to the back end of the last year with, you know a lot of changed I think amongst all three of our lives mm. 
I mean, Alex in particular, having no longer the ability really to get this in mind. We had to make a decision what we were going to do with the podcast, whether it was going to stay, whether it was going to reformat into something entirely different. And I think amongst all three of us, we've decided that we enjoy doing this and we enjoy talking to people and just, you know, it's still getting together and, and talking about stuff. And we think the best way to continue that is to move, and move forward is to talk about games and a bit more about news and a bit more about just, you know, our, our ultimate feeling and what's going on in the industry rather than just, oh, here's a, a, you know, a half-hearted attempt at review of something here, there and everywhere. So yeah. I think people are going to have to bear with us for a couple of weeks because you know, we, we've talked a lot about it. We've kind of touched on it for what one or two weeks prior. We've sort of adopted Christmas. the format uh, for the past few months anyway. We've, uh, you know, I've been planning this for a while now, and uh, we've been sort of secretly doing this anyway. But um, this is the first time we've actually properly talked about putting it into effect and 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 like f- and, you know forcefully missing out films. It's I'm, it's kind of different. On top of that, I mean, I, so I don't think people realise you now. This this does take time, and then, I mean it wipes out a big chunk of our evenings. And we, that's not us complaining because this is something we want to do. Well, we I don't it. think people realise quite how few people listen to this. I mean, if we get. I mean, we could be honest now. I mean, do we want to reveal really how many people we get? Uh, we get an average of about 50 per episode. Um, but the, the E3 episode and, and like, big, you know, for some reason, big landmark episodes get, like, uh, you know, north of 100, uh, which is great. And mm. I just wish we could hold on to that, those people for that one one episode. But yeah. that's what we're looking into. We're looking into really branching outwards and upwards and for getting some exposure and, and working out what it's going to take to really get us listened to. And I think ultimately, if we say we are just about video games, we're more likely to be listened to by people who, you know, who aren't going to be like, I don't want to know about no slumdog millionaire. Tell me about Gears of War 2. And exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not, that's not us being vain and, and wanting more people, but it's, it's nice. I mean, the few listeners we do have, they give us feedback and it's, it's nice to hear, everyone. it's nice to hear that. And, um, you know, we just want to, Maybe reach out for a few more people, and we're going to give this a go and see whether that changes anything at all. But ultimately, it's made me re-injuvenated about the whole experience of the podcast, and I think we've got some really good stuff coming up in, in the forthcoming year, and we shall see how it goes. So, yeah, yeah my I'm, reasons are, you know, just a bit of a change. New year, new change, new direction. Let's see how it goes. Wicked. Totally. Let's do um, this. Let's, let's do it to it. So... Okay. Shall we... Um, oh, and one last thing. We are really cutting back on lists. <laughs> I am so sick words. to death of, of <laughs> compiling over the course of a week a big, long list of stuff and then going, so, the Lovely Bones. You guys excited? Uh, it's, uh, never heard of it. What's it? It's the Peter Jackson film. Oh, oh. That now one. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, that's nothing informative. I mean, I suppose it, I am kind of telling people it's raising awareness about stuff, and it's like one big internet search of stuff you might want to know in one night, neat little tidy podcast, but it's not the best way to actually, you know, put out that information. I mean, if I wanted to really, you know, if I really wanted to get give people a list, I should just put it on the blog. Um, but ultimately, you know, lists are difficult because I have to, I have to sort of ask for these guys' opinions on it, and uh, a lot of the time, no opinion is held. So, uh, I mean, but, it, but it, and it works, you know, conversely both the other way around. I mean, it's you know, it's it's fine doing like an end of the year gaming list, but even yeah. that, you know, is is a stretch because I think most people get halfway through a podcast and okay, what's your game of the year already? You know, we don't really care about all these <laughs> other bits. So I, just, I, I really like that episode. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, ultimately it's it's we're reformatting. 
let's uh, bear with us while we do it. It might be really, really fucking good. Okay. So news is kind of dropped off on this one because this takes up that news. Yeah, we cut off the news and ultimately it, it kind of, the most important stuff kind of ties in with last week's news anyway. Yeah, there, there was no news anyway. So. Nope, nothing happened this week. Um, <laughs> so right, welcome to the Digital Cowboys. Welcome to the Digital Cowboys, this week, our feature is the decline of print in gaming journalism, or the apparent decline of print in gaming journalism. Because if you listen to a lot of um, uh, podcasts at the moment, and we do, they all seem to be talking about EGM, and as we did last week, and and the them being basically the One Up Network, um, previously owned by Ziff Davis, uh, was sold to UGO. UGO. Which and is, they heard of Grant Saint Group, something like that. Something, yeah, they, like that, they yeah. summarily closed the uh, offices of uh, EGM magazine and uh, invited 30 people into uh, a room, all of which were connected in some way with the magazine. A lot of whom were just regular one-up staffers who, you know, all had sort of had some input into the magazine, but didn't necessarily. They weren't necess- that wasn't their one job, and was, were told, right, get your coats. And um, a lot, there's a lot of different. Um, there's a lot of bad blood out there and a lot of resentment, but and it doesn't all seem to be aimed in the same direction. A lot of people don't like UGO. A lot of people don't like uh, Ziff Davis. Um, oh, can I just say one thing about them? Yeah, go. What's coming out in the last two? I mean, really, I suppose it's almost, almost coming to Fortnite now. But um, UGO never shut down EGM. UGO never brought EGM, and that's the big difference has to be stipulated here. EGM sure. was never brought by UGO. They just didn't want to buy it because they they're not they're not as they said they're not a magazine house. You know they 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 run online stuff. They have no idea how to run a magazine, so they never put the money in to buy it. So it's not like they brought it as part of the package. Mm. They never actually brought any of it. So EGM, by the sounds of it, is still a bit of a loose dog. It's out there for somebody if they wanted so much to buy it, but. How much does that probably uh, cost us if we wanted to? Nobody's stepping in. And the, I mean, the bigger problem with that is, of course, you know, they um, EGM at that point has to shut down because, you know, they were kind of subbing with, with one up. And if they had no money coming from that at all, then that was that. So all the staff have pretty much left who were creating that magazine. So who would want to pick up the magazine other than for the uh, the, I don't know, the prestigious, prestigious use of its its naming title, but I don't think UGO are necessarily the bad guys here. They just didn't want a magazine, which is part of our discussion now. Is like, why would they want a magazine in this current climate of gaming? Mm. There are also other factors. I mean, as you said, the current climate, the um, the, the fact that everyone's kind of trying to pinch the uh, pennies at the moment and really not spend money on things that are, are, are not absolutely guaranteed. Part of the reason, in fact, that I'm, I'm disenchanted with movies at the moment, I'm not, I hate to bring movies back into this, but um, Disney, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, recently uh, decided not to go ahead with producing and bankrolling the third Narnia film, uh, Chronicles of the Dawn, uh, Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And uh, it's it's still out there. It's still possible for it to be picked up again, like kind of like EGM. Um, and the most likely candidate is Warner Brothers, who I believe after the Dark Knight of last year have a bit of pocket money. Um, oh yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of cash. So it, one thing Disney are going ahead with is something called G Force, which is on the big list of films being released this year. It's about um, guinea pigs. With celebrity voices who are also spies, and uh, have, you, have you guys seen the trailer? No, no but I don't uh, want to. <laughs> I, I almost want to force you guys to watch it no. because it makes me so sad and sickened to see that this is what um, kids' movies are about. It, oh, 
Is that anything to do with Lasseter now, or is that just... I don't think so. It it just looks so boneheaded. Although, interestingly enough, it happens to have uh, Will Arnett and Seth Green in it. Sorry, um, Seth Rogen. Uh, And Bill Nye, who should really all know better, but it's awful. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. I do that. Um, Disney didn't think that Narnia were uh, good enough. Uh, you know, de- decent enough investment. Prince Caspian only made them twice what they paid, whereas the original Land of the Witch and Wardrobe made them five times what they paid. They they need huge amounts of guaranteed money to continue uh, with films. Now, obviously, G-Force, a completely untested um, guinea pig picture, is going to make them probably twice as much, maybe more, depending on how stupid um, people are. But... Um, yeah, the, the, it, it underlines how even big companies with large amounts of money are not willing to take risks anymore. And you know, this all boils down to, to print journalism. No one's going to be opening a, any new magazines at the moment. And I'm amazed at how a lot of the magazines that are established maintain an audience with the blogosphere out there for absolutely nothing. And the, uh, the, the massive amount of websites of really, you know, good hard copy just available with immediate previews and immediate reviews and, and everything you could possibly want about a, a game straight away, right there, without having to wait a month and then pay £4 up front. So, yeah, yeah what, what our, our question is, is um, print uh, journalism declining in, term, in, in gaming? And I did some research and found out some interesting things. Do you guys want to start or shall I... Give my uh, my reading on the. Uh, you did the research, I think. I did. Can I, did. I, I, can I say one more thing about the, the one up stuff? Sure. Um, can. I actually don't want to talk about it too much. I just want to say that if anybody's actually interested, actually, what's gone down in there, there's there's three places you kind of need to check out. Um, Giant Bomb Cast, which has got I think Jason Viganani. I can't remember. He's got the weirdest second name in the world. Yeah. But he he does talks a little bit about it. Um, you have the Gamers with Job podcast which has got a bunch of people on that are talking a little bit about it as well. And also, um, I think five, a, a fair big group of people that, um, like, Matt Cherubo, um oh, Christ, I forgot half of thinking. Um, some of the main, the main guys, Nick Sutner, who's a really, really yeah. good there again, um, they've, they've made a podcast called Rebel FM, which oh, yes. is uh, available on iTunes. Also, they, they've got a blog up, um, Eat, Sleep, Play Games, something like that. Um, is that brand new, by the way? Yeah, they're, they're only on the Wait, second episode. The, the one-up uh, tobacco. Yeah, they had Shane Best now that are on there uh, this week actually talking about you know where he's off now to do a uh, an industry job. Being I think that somebody I can't even remember now, but it's it's, it's this it's, is why I make notes. <laughs> yeah, it's well, no, it's, I know he's moved to a, a big company, a fairly biggish company, and he's uh, one of the directors of the game, so actually he's, he's heading forward it, what the, the games are actually. It's interesting when things like when when a site like this explode when this sort of thing yeah. kind of explosion happens. I mean, if you think of GameSpot, like the yeah. Jeff Gersman thing and everyone yeah. leaving, you end up with, like, you know, Alex Navarro going to Harmonix and, you know, a lot of guys, you know, form Giant Bomb. That kind of, it's just amazing. I mean, this might actually be good, actually. This might actually be... Yeah, I mean... Every if cloud you, has a silver lining, so... If you listen to Rebel FM, actually, the last two episodes, they go quite deep into what actually the collapse of Ziff Davis and why they why they're, they are where they are and where other people are going. And, you know, Shane Battenhauser was going to leave, like, two years ago. The only reason he stayed was... Because uh, he loved one up yours, pretty much. Mm. Just like he loved talking to the gamers, and you know that was the reason he hasn't gone before. So it's just you know it's well worth checking it out, and you'll, you'll find a lot of what's actually happening in the industry and how kind of the way it's shaping, uh, I think, forward and in in other companies and the way that you know 
they're kind of bracing for their own scenarios. And the, one really interesting thing to hear was a lot of the, the blogs, which I think we, we get on to talk about in a second because I think mm. they're critical of, you know, what's going on with magazines. Um, I've heard, I've read one or two really big posts from the, like the, the directors of those blogs that are kind of just like, they're not like us. Obviously, they have thousands and thousands of people, you know, checking out their website on a daily basis. Yeah. But even them saying that this, this was a wake up call that the industry needed, the online industry needed. That people aren't invulnerable, you know this this boom bust scenario, and you know a big site like one up really just disappearing into the ether, although barely kind of hanging on at the moment the way it is, was a big shake up to everybody in the industry. So a lot of really interesting written stuff and podcasts coming out there that are covering on that, but we're not here. I don't really feel that we can do justice to it because I think enough of the uh, the guys actually involved are already doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, check it out. Mm. Right. To, uh, to look at magazines, uh, gaming magazines at the moment, I uh, cast my eye back to the various gaming magazines of our childhood from like the early 90s. And uh, it'd be interesting if you guys can reel off as many as possible and see which ones I've already uh, put on my uh, list. Uh, gaming magazines from when you were about 10, 12. There's only one obvious one, and that's Games Master, surely. Uh, you say obvious, Paul. Say what? Any other any other uh, gaming magazines from when you? <laughs> I'm going to make a song called "Say What," and it's basically every time I've ever said Paul, and you go "Say What" because you're looking at something else. I'm not. Yes, you are. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I was distracted, or something like that. Okay, gaming magazines from when you were a kid. Any that you specifically remember is what well, is not being good. Yep, mean that's machines. The one. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably the main one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were a couple of like n- Nintendo specific ones. I mean, Super Play. Yep, I think that was another one. I remembered. Uh, to- what? There was a totally. Oh, I, I honestly can't remember the name. The names of half of these mm-hmm. magazines, but uh, there was a Nintendo one that I always used to really enjoy as well. But uh, its name of which the name of which it's game? Total. It might be Total. Yeah, it was like. I don't remember that one, but I no, I hadn't something, put that on my list, but it is, does ring a bell. Something like that. Anyway. But yeah, that, that kind of thing. Uh, I looked specifically at CVG and Meme Machines, although I did also take a look at Superplay, which was very uh, heavy on the Japanese and American imports, and therein lies a tale. Okay. CVG, Computer and Video Games magazine, was started in 1981 and was uh, went all the way up to 2004, which and then became web-based and only web-based. Um, it was bought by uh, Future, who uh, control Edge, uh, and cancelled so that they could make sure that Games Master, which is still going, could continue. Amazing, that is. That uh, is amazing, but more on that in a second. Right, but um, game uh, CVG was uh, was uh, mainly focused on the 8-bit games and then went on to uh, uh, 16-bit, and around that time spawned meme machines because um, they started getting into the hands of, of kids and Nintendo suddenly majorly took off and suddenly Sega was... There was a, a, a conflict there, and then 1992... It split in two, so it became Mean Machine Sega and Nintendo Magazine System. But I found some interesting, uh, obviously on Wikipedia, our usual uh, research uh, place of choice. But there's some interesting um, wording on it, uh, which actually sums up the uh, the magazines of that era. Its style was popular with gamers of the time for its irreverent humour, anarchic editorial tone and style, and its sometimes outrageously outspoken reviews. Do you remember how incredibly biased or, or um, 
occasionally really silly the reviews were in those days. It's it, it was it wasn't very professionally done, but at the same time it was quite enjoyable for a ten. That minutes. was I think that was part of the charm of it. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was a it was a lot of mick taking. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was very laddish. Um, so you're young, so you just wanted to read what exactly you want to hear. And that's but this was before the days of the PlayStation, so the average age of the gamer was going to be about 12 anyway, so it kind of worked. Um, following the lead of parent magazine, CVG, Meme Machines covered both domestic and imported releases, meaning that the magazine could review titles that were months away from UK release. At the time, import gaming was much more popular than it is now. Incre- increased territory lockouts and swifter UK release dates have made more import gamers a, fo- a relatively niche pastime today. But if it was still a it was still a brave choice to cater for import gamers by focusing on games that were still months away from being officially released in this country. Also, that gave you a, a damn good reason to read it, because back in those days, it, you could actually read about a game a month before you got it. These days, it's out usually a month after, a month before you read the review in the average print magazine and that think, is the big difference between then and now I think you're being generous a month before you got it I mean Europe was being literally tossed around any, everywhere so it was like three or four months before you got it yeah sometimes you're right uh, it's well yeah we, we got marginalised a hell of a lot and the, the localization was fucking retarded in those yeah. days so I mean we, sometimes we didn't even get some of the best games on the Super Nintendo Chrono Trigger springs to mind and it always does Super Mario RPG you um but, yeah, ultimately, in that climate, you could read a magazine aimed at 12-year-olds about games that wouldn't come out for a while, and it, it all made sense. It was, what, I think they were about £3, so that wasn't too much to pay, I suppose. And um, and then they were aimed at kiddies, and, and then everything changed in, uh, around the 1995 era, and, and suddenly the PlayStation came out, and everyone was already growing up, and everyone was having to basically scrimp together 400 quid to buy a PlayStation. So that meant that the uh, journalism had to change as well. Also, around the mid-90s, what else came along? The internet. The internet. <laughs> yeah. The internet changed everything, and it... I don't know, how long ago did GameSpot actually start up? I should have checked this one as well. Uh, I don't think it was really even that relevant, wasn't it, in the early days? No. It it, certainly hadn't made any impact really on magazine sales, I wouldn't It wasn't really until the beginning of the 21st century when, I mean, basically official PlayStation magazine became the big magazine at that point that was not specifically um, uh, impartial. One magazine that I kind of missed out, uh, aside from uh, other games, magazines that I remember were uh, Sega Power, uh, Arcade, Megatech, And pl- uh, play, um, yeah. Arcade was fab, but there's not even any uh, relevant. Uh, there's no. Um, you can't find anything referring to arcade. It's, it's forgotten. Well, um, it was really interesting because it actually it did multiple platform reviews. I mean, uh, up until this point, I was pretty much being spoon fed by whatever the company wanted you to know through PlayStation magazine, pretty much primarily because that was their job of the magazine. Yeah. When as much as they always say, oh, it's kind of like independently written, they're hardly going to, you know have a bark and a moan about anything that Sony was doing because, you know, it's more than their jobs is worth. Yeah. It's only about there and I think times may have changed now somewhat but, you know, You'd think, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. think, wouldn't you? <laughs> because uh, I've, I've done some checking out today to see what's uh, available and I found, well, we've got available in WH Smith right now which is a cracking store. Uh, we've got Edge which is well, we'll talk about Edge in a second. Games TM, again, we'll talk about that in a second. 
uh, PC Gamer, Retro Gamer, Official Nintendo Magazine, N Gamer, Official PlayStation Magazine, PS3 World, Power Station, Play, PSM3, Official Xbox Magazine, Xbox World, X360, and 360 Gamer. Now, that tells a completely different story to what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that... Um, you can't possibly compete with the internet. There's there's too you know there's too many uh, you know, websites out there getting the games immediately, and no one wants to read uh, print anymore. Sorry, maybe in America. Me. Maybe in America. Maybe that's yeah. it. Because is it something that that in England we slavishly carry on buying gaming magazines? Because that the abundance of those magazines, all from the same two publishers. We got uh, let's see. There's Future, who do Edge, Games Master, Endgamer, Xbox World, PC Gamer, OSM, OXM, and ONM. And then Imagine, who do Games TM, X360, 360 Play, Power Station, and Retro Gamer. It's those two major houses competing with each other. But the preponderance of very similar magazines coming out of the same houses tells me that these things are still turning a profit. X360 and 360 both coming out of Imagine. Have you Seriously? ever read that? I haven't. No, it's any good. It's awful. No, it's... Uh, Which one? There's, it's two, there's two magazines. Which I, I, I want to say X360, but one of it's... I think X Game is all right. But one of them, it, it does the worst cardinal sin that I hate in magazine. Uh, bo- uh, boobs and naked women and games. And it's just... It's like the stereotypical view of what... So what's the name of this again? Yep. Uh, yeah, Paul would like it, to... Paul, honestly, oh, brilliant. Okay, right. It sounds somewhat more like loaded than... Uh, yeah, it's it's like reading the gaming version of Nuts or something. It's just... It's <laughs> pathetic. Well, I, I read it for a while, and it's, but it's cheap. It's like £2.50, and that's how they hook, you know, youngsters to get in. It doesn't obviously push the game in any form. There's something though. chilling about the fact that youngsters are hooked in by boobs. No, that's quite really? normal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> quite... Seriously, surely that should have higher standards than that. Yeah. Um, not at the age of 14, I would have but, thought. But... I mean, talking about America and its situation, I mean, EGM, obviously, which went off with uh, 1UP, it was the biggest magazine out there. It was the one that's been... I mean, its, its next issue would have been its 20th anniversary issue. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what a fuck over being cut before that even manages to get out, but that's, you know, the way it was. Um, and there is still magazines out there, but I believe they, they work on a different policy out there. I think it's more to do with subscriber base out there. Um, I mean, um, it? a year subscribed to EGM was like a pound, a, you know, a dollar an issue, mm-hmm. which is like nothing. So you were like $12, you'd get a full year's worth of uh, EGMs, which is ridiculous, and it was all to do with how many subscribers you had and whether you could keep the subscriber base um, you know, profitable. And at that price, I, I can't see. You know, it was like 55%, you know, more than that, like 60% off the magazine cover price. But, I mean, even their magazines out there, I mean, remember before you brought me that copy of EGM, because it's from London, where, you know, the yep. ability to buy American magazines are there. And, you know, they're talking about this being, you know, the best magazine that America has, you know, for gaming terms. And I'm reading, I'm like, this is really like, you know, second tier stuff compared no to... No offence to EGM. No, I mean, not... Yeah, I mean, I, I read it and I, I enjoyed reading it because I, I know the people and, you know, the features and stuff were, were pretty good in there and I, I knew the names of the people who were writing it and that was kind of good but, you know, the quality of the magazine as in feel kind of cheap paper, you know, the art design, on, you know, the art design and stuff on the actual front cover and whatnot wasn't particularly high standard, com- certainly compared to something um, like Edge or Games TM that we have here, which has like you embossed covers and, and stuff like that. Using cardstock for the covers, which is very mm. important. Um, which brings us to Edge, 
I think. It's, it's kind of, you know, high time to talk about that. It's been going since 1993, which means we could have started reading it at the age when we were really getting into games. Um, at the same time. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't have. And I really didn't appreciate it until maybe last year. I, pl- I bought Games TM when it came out in 2002 and stopped reading it after a while because I, I actually, there, I went through a pa- uh, phase when I was not so into games. I think basically I was disenchanted by the PS2, then the Xbox, then, and the GameCube, and I was like, uh, what's next? And I started really getting into, I suppose, movies more. I, sp- I can't remember what else I was into at that point. I think, I, I think I like the Xbox of all of them the most, but I, I just wasn't really keeping it up, and it wasn't until I got a 360, at least a year into its actual inception, that I suddenly came massively back into games. Um, but and still, uh, Edge is a very highbrow magazine. It's, it's aimed at uh, a mature audience and aficionados, and specifically, it's it's an insider magazine. It, 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 it's absolutely full of recruitment at the back for people who actually, you know... Look, English and, uh, and European software uh, companies who are recruiting for you know, people to actually make games and things. And it's the, the well, here, it says here, a multi-format computer and video game magazine published by Future Publishing in the United Kingdom, known for its industry contacts, editorial stance, distinctive anonymous third-person writing style, yearly awards, and longevity. Which kind of says it all, really. It's, it's, it's always ever so slightly impartial. Using It, it, it doesn't name its um, reviewers, so at the end of the review, uh, it'll just give it a number. Uh, and it always ends uh, features with this little E symbol indicating that that is what Edge says as opposed to any specific uh, author. It's, it's very um, impersonal to that end. But at the same time, it's also extremely professional. It's also extremely engrossing. If we could do a show on a par with Edge, then I'd be very, very happy. In terms of you know but quality and, and and what we talk about, the, the thing we have to understand with Edge, I mean, as much as it's a great magazine for both you, me, and Paul, um, it's I mean, if you had to compare it in, in film terms, it's very much the sight and sound of the industry. Mm. Um, you know, as people buy Empire like it's going out of fashion. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of reasons to do so. It has the current films, it has the advertising, all the different stuff that's coming up in the future. But does it make the most intellectual read? Well, on occasions, yeah. I mean, sometimes their features are really interesting. But a lot of the time, it's just it's fluff material. Now, it's usually a 30-page blockbuster uh, you know, roundup for what's coming in the next year. Yeah. I mean, what Science Sound does, it has really in-depth features with you know, directors, some of which you've never heard about, films, some of which you've never heard about, and they, they make it their challenge to actually make interesting articles based around film stuff. And you know, does it sell particularly well? I wouldn't know, but I, don't, I doubt it. it covers anywhere near the same amount of what Empire or Total Film does. I mean, Paul would probably know better figures than me with that, but I can't imagine. At the same time, how many more people know who Jonathan Ross is in comparison to, say, Mark Kermode? It's it's about, you know, broad appeal, and and Ross has it. And Was it Paul Ross who used to do the film program? No, the film program is done by Jonathan Ross, but the Paul Ross did something else or the other. Yeah. Yeah, he does, really. But, um... What Edge basically does, it, it caters to those same people. I mean, it's, it's a little pompous on occasion, Edge. Um, you know, and I'm, we can all agree with that. Some of the features I've read, I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it, but it takes the gaming, gaming industry seriously, and it's nice to have a magazine that does that. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it kind of validates your feeling that you're still a grown up while you're enjoying all these games. Features help a lot. I mean, it, it does some really, really interesting features, and it is pretty much the envy of what um, 
a lot of people in America always refer to Edge as being the magazine they would love to write for because it's yeah. it's like you know it's the equivalent of being you know, that Oscar winner I guess it's 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 high praise indeed that you you get to write for that magazine. Although you will never be name checked, you'll just be in the uh, editorial at the beginning, and that's interesting as well because if you do start to write for Edge, yes, you'll write great copy and you'll be acknowledged for being a writer for Edge, but you can almost not really lay claim to anything. Which is interesting. But the interesting thing about Edge is, I actually learned this a little while back. They, it's, n- it's never been about the money. Um, they, they apparently they pretty much cover cost, and the only way they do that is um, by having the advertising of the industry in the back. Mm-hmm. Before then, they were a losing company, and they were just putting it out. And they would, and there was a stage where it looked like they were going to have to shut it down because they didn't really know how to turn it into like being this advertising magazine, even while still keeping its integrity and what they. Did they? They contact the industry, and the industry picks it up as their own magazine. Hence, mm. why it is what it is now, and the advertising in the back. As much as it sometimes for us, it's like, why do I care? It's the reason the magazine's still there, and that's just—it's a really good way to get around of it. And I just—I you know, wonder in the states. I think advertising in the states and in, in these kind of magazines, there's so many other ways that companies can get out and talk to people now. And yeah. a, a magazine really isn't one of them worth spending that much money on. It, it must just be that case. Another problem is that they uh, seem to be stuck on the idea of, um, well, the, the only people who want to advertise in video game magazines are video games companies. And yeah. I, I don't want to bastardize gamers with jobs, but um, they, they made a very fine point about the fact that they also use other products. They have, they have eaten food that ha- has advertising elsewhere. I mean, gamers are people, and as such, they are consumers. What, the, you, no um, magazine or indeed website uh, uh, largely focused on video games should be hampered by the fact that their audience are gamers. They also do other things. And, and that, I think, is, is something that, that if they wish to continue uh, and actually turn a profit, uh, but sites like um, 1UP are really going to have to look into how other means of, um, of getting revenue because just advertising for the latest games on a website that might even just plain trash them and I'm going to call into question here Gersman Gate and the whole IDOS thing. I know that's only rumour and conjecture but it, it, it does make sense when you put it on paper. If Gersman's saying this game is shit and there's an advert for it just above it, that is a conflict of interest. They're, I mean, these these websites are still businesses. They have to make money. Totally. And if you're pissing off, I mean, the, the famous one with One Up was that they gave Assassin's Creed a bad review. They had a falling out with um, Ubisoft, mm-hmm. who told them to change the review, or um, they were no longer going to get any review codes from uh, review or preview codes from Ubisoft. And that's and, really shitty behaviour. Yeah, and but that's not necessarily just affecting press. Yeah, but One Up has stood their ground and said, "Well, fine, for the integrity of the site, we will." just continue with our review policy and guess what they never got another review code of anything ever again shit it sucks but at least you know the integrity of the website was there whereas uh, it might be said that other websites weren't quite yeah it's conjecture I can't say that allegedly though that didn't happen elsewhere but uh, either way the thing that I I expected when looking for uh, new magazines was that um with uh, things like Edge out there uh, that were able to give an impartial viewpoint and a mature look at gaming, I thought that would be that one magazine and maybe one or two for Xbox and uh, Nintendo and, and, and Sony. But there's fucking dozens still. It's about the same as it was when we were 12. 
the same amount of magazines, all catering to the same crowds. Now, what I want to know is, although, although each one's a different style, how uh, you know how can a really focused Xbox 360 magazine really give you a genuine, impartial review of an Xbox 360 game, especially if it's also out on PlayStation 3? Gonna field it to Paul a bit if you wanted. To yeah, Paul. Impartiality. <laughs> that was a hard one. <laughs> That's tough. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm not expecting it to be answered at this point, but I I would imagine back in the 90s, kids would you know buy Sega Power or whatever because they've allied themselves with this one console and they can't really they they can't afford a Nintendo on their out of their own pocket and they want to be given some. You know, some some copy copy that says your console is awesome. Look at all these awesome games you can get on it, and that's fine. Um, but that was the nineties, and that was kids. We're all adults now. If you can afford yeah. an Xbox three sixty, you don't, you can't. I mean, if why would you pay four pounds a month to be told your console's brilliant? But and you don't know who's buying these magazines. The I way don't. I see it, I you know, I I see like the older demographic. They buy Edge. They buy in games to you. Yeah. Um, I think the younger, the, you know, the, the kind of the teenagers still buy like X360 and or whatever the Nintendo version and, and you know PlayStation version is to be fed that stuff. I, I honestly don't think they, you know, for me, I mean, what my daily practice is I check um, Joystick, Kotaku, and Destructoid for all my all the news because they update their news every 20 minutes and there's a news story out there, something to do with the industry. And then if I ever read that in a magazine, I'm like, well. That's, that's like so out of date. Why do I need to know that? I, you know, I can formulate opinions straight away. But that's me. I mean, I'm a you know a, a late twenties man who you know knows how to use all these kind of stuff. I, I'd still think like the twelve year old goes shopping with their mum, and the mum picks them up a magazine, sticks it in the trolley, and they go away and they read that stuff. Yeah. And every every kid doesn't even every adult just wants to know that their purchases they make you know are right are, you know are being justified and that's what a magazine does you can sit there and read it and just you know look at the pretty pictures when you're young and and you know have the justification that you you're doing the right thing by buying this game which uh, kind of leads me to the Nintendo uh, issue because ultimately Nintendo have got 35 million uh, users right now, and that's just the people who, uh, you know, that's just the number of consoles out there. There's people probably even more so actually playing a console, and they've got two um, Nintendo magazines, and versus like one, two, three, five PlayStation ones and four Xbox ones. One of which is official Nintendo magazine, the other one being Endgamer. Um, there really can't be that much space in a for a measured Nintendo magazine, because how many um, party game compilations can you review per month? It's it, it's it's fairly thin on the ground uh, of of actual proper brilliant AAA titles on the Wii. There's only a few a year, and so ultimately, uh, with you know, the official Nintendo magazine has to be the company byline on the product. So if you want to talk about um, propaganda. That's the one to look at. Well, I can only assume they're reviewing it to a different standard of what else was out in the industry. That you know, this is they know what their audience is. It's a more casual audience now, and you know, they they review those games there. Us, I mean, it, I I don't know because we don't look into that stuff because it's mm. not the console that we spend the most amount of time on. But I I guess that's they change their stance. Well, I can tell you the the biggest thing that changed me and buying magazines. I mean, I'm I'm sure Paul will be here with me on this. I used to buy official PlayStation magazine and official Xbox magazine. And what was the primary reason of probably doing that, Paul? The cover disc. Oh, yes. The cover disc. And 
that was, I mean, I didn't really care much about the magazine, so I'd flick through it, but guess what, those demos, you know, you'd be desperate to play those demos. And that's just something that, you know, those magazines can't do now, because, you know, I'd, they still cover cover disc, and you just read it, and you're like, well, that demo's like, you know, it's almost like two months old, but the it's <laughs> on their disc because that's what they were kind of scheduling for and it's you know they had to print the discs up and stuff and you're like well you know the game's already out and was that the cover disc that had the really good commentaries on old games what the, they, they tried to make them a bit more cool didn't they but yeah, but I just I, I remember specifically sitting in uh, in like our, our second house uh, when we lived together and watching you know video after video of, of, of the upcoming games things like Devil May Cry Two, and just hearing them groaning and going, "Oh, just watch how this plays." Yeah. Um, I, I really like that, and, and ultimately, I think we, we segued then very neatly onto GameSpot around that period, and and that's kind of when I started, you know, my interest in uh, magazines began to wane. Um, I will just mention Games Chain, which I was reading at the time. Uh, it, you know, it's it always has seemed to be a slightly more accessible version of Edge. Um, by a uh, rival publishing company, and it is. It's um, still going strong. Although there was a period in 2006 when basically um, it, the the, uh, the publishers fell to pieces and they had to be bought up by someone else. Um, and uh, it, it, between issue 40 and 41, it looked like they just might be completely tanking. But uh, then imagine acquired Games TM along with 23 other Highbury titles because the uh, Highbury Entertainment, their former uh, publishers, went into administration with debts of £27 million. Now that suggests that maybe publishing isn't that profitable a business. Mm. And Christ, if I were imagine, uh, you know, if it's just me and, and I would love to work for any of their magazines, but I'd cut. Um, one of your Xbox 360 magazines, X360 or 360, choose which one. I know it's like Sophie's Choice, but uh, we don't need two. Uh, ultimately, we don't really need one, but uh, I mean, official Xbox magazine should be the company byline on it, and maybe there should be one other magazine on the market with an unofficial look at the Xbox, but even that is going to be blathering on about uh, how brilliant the console is. I mean, we are Xbox fanboys, but we also acknowledge... The occasional brilliance of the Wii and uh, PlayStation 3 and DS. Have you noticed how thin those magazines are getting now? The official ones—they're starting to become, you know, like 100-page magazines where they used to be 250. Christ! Because the advertising, yeah, they're almost being subsidised by the company. I think now, am I? I may be right thinking that I don't think the US even has an official PlayStation magazine anymore. I think that's why they had the PlayStation Underground stuff on on. Uh, online and that's all changed into this PSN stuff but I think that went a fair while back that it was, wasn't profitable anymore I think what we can conclude from this as we round this one up is that America and the UK have entirely different markets yeah. for journalism and there may be a few years left in uh, in the UK maybe it may just carry on I don't know um, but the one thing that kind of depresses me a little bit is that there are Many, many people out there in the blogosphere writing for free, extremely good press about games. You know, ultimately, they're just people like us. They've, they've just taken it upon themselves to start writing about games. They might or might not want to become gaming journalists, but ultimately, they're people I am up against because I want to be. And it's really difficult <laughs> mm. because there are so many 
freelancers out there and experienced people out there, plus 30 new people all from <laughs> EGM now all on the market, all w- <laughs> willing to write about games with experience. And, and I've got the podcast, but ultimately, it's daunting at times. So, um, anyway. Well, I think the game, the, the game industry as a whole is, is changing now. It's growing up fast and it, it's merging to be like when the biggest growth, you know, areas in, in kind of, what's the word where, you know, it's, it's up against DVDs and films and stuff and it's, yeah. e- it's eating into those, you know, tremendously nowadays. Um, so, you know, there, there is a time and a place now for serious commentary of what the game industry is doing. I don't want to see just only that. But um, I think the, the biggest problem for magazines, and always has been since the internet, is news can be delivered far too fast nowadays, so they can't really compete on that. Mm. And the reason I read Edge now is I, I kind of trust the reviews, but I don't base my buying decisions on that because there's so many other ways you can find reviews about stuff. You know, there's 50 different places you can get an overall guide of what's what. Um, and then, you know, it's their features. I just enjoy sitting down, and, and sometimes you just can't beat having a magazine in your hand and, and chilling out. You know, I want to I want to do the the same old thing, sitting on the old loo, reading the magazine. I oh, do it. I, I borrowed those copies of Edge. I don't do it because I think it's. Oh, you don't. No. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I take it to work, and I can chill out and work and read read the mag, and you know, it, it's I don't know. There's there's something about having a a copy of something in your hand and, and yeah. the artwork that they do that the websites will never be able to replace. But I think. Um, for news, they, they've really got no chance now of competing at all. And I heard an excellent analogy, I believe it was on um, uh, GameSpot, maybe Giant Bomb, where uh, somebody, or it might have been one up, ironically, uh, where somebody compared uh, buying a magazine uh, on a monthly basis uh, and uh, checking out uh, websites on a daily basis is the equivalent of eating, you know, whatever normal meals you have. Um, all month, but then occasionally, just once a month, going out to dinner and treating yourself and yeah. reading a really high-quality publication like Edge, Money Hat, is, uh, <laughs> is, is really rewarding. And when it comes uh, through my door, uh, which it did two days ago, I just get a little tingle. And I go, ooh, what's the new Edge going to be like? And uh, that morning, I had just been reading the uh, last month's Edge, and it kept me going. And, and I was thinking, why? Brilliant. Oh, I got, get some I- more. I've got 100 plus issues in here of Edge where I've been buying them, so that's quite a few years now. That is. Anyway, so we're getting uh, our uh, checks from uh, future uh, publishing uh, next week, so thank you very much. Um, let's move on. <laughs> Give us some news relating to Rock Band on the Wii. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh yeah, they're really relevant, really relevant. Well, it's, no, it's re- well, is it just happening? It, it's in the States. It's, it's basically... Uh, oh, is it not happening in the UK? No, well, no, because Rock Band 2 isn't out in the... <laughs> of course it isn't. Yeah, so, um, no, well, basically, uh, I think just before Christmas... Well, yeah, just before Christmas, Rock Band 2 was released on the Wii, and um, in much the same way that Guitar Hero World Tour on the Wii has downloadable content, uh, Harmonix had promised um, 
the, uh, the downloadable content would be forthcoming. And uh, lo and behold, uh, as of as of this week in the US, the uh, there are songs are available. They're they're available on an individual basis because of the um, uh, because of the way the, the we the we works. You, know, you have to because all the tracks have to be stored on a on a memory card. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird old setup. Well, the, we, we all know the Wii's a bit fucked up anyway. Not designed for this, but yeah. It's not designed for this at all, and it's sort of just awkwardly had to sort of figure out a way to do this. But, um, you know, basically now there's, uh, there's like 30 songs available. Um, for, you think if you look at the, the, D, the list of DLC that's available on the PS3 or the, uh, 360, and pick like, just, just randomly go at 30 like really popular songs, stuff like The Kill by 30 Seconds to Mars, More Than a Feeling by Boston, and, and so forth, uh, you can pretty much work Work out what's what's going to be on there, and it, yeah, so it's a fairly, it's actually a fairly decent selection. It's just what is it, what is good is to see is that, you know, the, the Wii owners have, and let's face it, the Wii is the biggest biggest selling games console of the three. I mean, I think it's fair to say that, right, regardless of what we think of it, it's it's good to see that this game, this 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 game that we all we all love, is is finally getting the the proper treatment on the Wii that it actually deserves. I think, and uh, I think Wii owners are, uh, are getting a pretty good a pretty good deal out of it. By the sounds of it. So yeah, I think each track is like 200 Wii points, I believe. So, comparable, which is comparable <laughs> to, um, uh, which is the Guitar Hero tracks are the same price. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good, good, good. It's good to see that this, this is a good move, uh, for everyone concerned and should expand the, hopefully help expand the, uh, the game's uh, profile, you know, far, you know, much fur, much further. So yeah, get good, those good, SD cards ready. <laughs> yeah, get those SD cards out there ready. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things I think Nintendo could do to help, like, you know, removing the... I mean, is, is the ability to accept a, 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 an SD card larger than two gigabytes a something that... I mean, I assume that's just a software thing. I can't, be, I can't imagine that's a hard thing. I can only imagine... It, yeah, I mean, it's all software stuff. I and mean, the, the fact that you can actually run stuff straight off the SD card if Nintendo allow it. It's just got to be a, a weird, you know, they don't. They've just, they've got to raise the cap. It. They've got yeah. to raise the, uh, raise the SD card, uh, cap, uh, off on that. Cause I mean, the, the price of this stuff is coming, it's just falling very, very rapidly. And soon you'll have, you'll have, you know, much higher capacity, uh, you SD, gig cards. SD cards now? I believe so, I believe so, yeah. I mean, I, I got a, a 16 gig USB flash drive for 20, for 16 quid. <laughs> so, um. I'll just yeah, set you back like, like 400 quid, like. Two um, yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous sums of money. But, uh, so if they, if they're starting to be able to compact that amount of, that amount of storage into, you know, the same space, then you, you must assume that they can bump the, uh, bump the amount of storage up on a, on a regular, because the SD card isn't going to change size. For obvious reasons, yeah, it can't. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good thing it's a good thing for the for rock band and it's a good thing for harmonics and MTV games. So yeah, good good news, good news. Indeed. Uh, does anyone know the current numbers on the Wii? Because I quoted 35 million just now, but that was as of September 30th last year, which has got to be so wrong by now. 35 squillion, I think now. Is that right? Okay. Go 45. Go. That was 45 million. <laughs> no, no, it was unknown. For God's sake. Uh, I, think, I would imagine the numbers are yet to be published, but uh, the uh, Xbox isn't actually too bad at the moment. 28 million. Um, now, obviously, there's a difference between September and now. Yeah, I uh, think for they're 35 to, now. I mean, they announced so. Oh, yeah, Xbox. Yeah, had a really good Christmas in the last few months. Okay. Well, well, actually, more on that later when we get the full numbers in. Then, um, let's just finish off, shall we? Tony, and indeed Paul. Um, in 
brief detail. Do you want to talk about the film you saw this week, which is apparently pretty good, Slumdog Millionaire? Imagine you're Mark Kermode and we're finishing off and you've got, uh, say, one minute to talk about it. Okay? That film, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, this is uh, da- Danny Boyle's uh, new film. He of you have Sunshine, Train Spotting, Lifeless Ordinary, etc. Right. Uh, he, uh, it's a new film. It's basically, uh, about, uh, it's, it's set in Mumbai in India and it's about a, uh, young, a boy who's uh, an 18 year old, uh, who's basically on, uh, the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically he, he has, he has, uh, you know, he's about, he's basically at the start of the film, he's about to, he's about to answer the, the final question. And, uh, basically the film charts, charts back his, you know, life from growing up right the way to the, to the point that he's there, you know, the, and basically goes through, you know, what, wh- how has it ended up that this is, you know, what's his reason, his motivation as being on the show, uh, aside obviously winning a lot of cash, but, uh, and, you know, what's happened to, what's happened in his life. And it's, uh, well, it's, it's, I think it's, 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 it's up to the usual Danny Boyle standards. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, yeah, it's no secret here. We're, we're fans of, uh, Mr. Ball's work. I mean, we reviewed, yes. uh, Sunshine on this, uh, show, um, a few years ago. Well, it was the first episode. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was, yeah, 2007 it was. Um, so I think, yeah, it's no, it's no secret that we're a fan of his work. And this, this, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a terrific film. It's full of energy. It's very, you know, really vibrant, uh, vibrant film. Like, very, very tough at points as well. Not the, the poster. I mean, Tony, I think you'll agree. The poster, you know, we've mm-hmm. seen it. It looks like, it makes it, hey, jolly, feel good. It's quote, it's like, <laughs> the ultimate feel good film. In, in a way, I sort of know what they mean. It, it, it does, I, w- I wouldn't want to spoil what happens in the film, but, uh, it does, it, it, the, it's a tough film to watch, but the the feeling at the end is, I think, is earned properly, and it's uh, yeah, it's the juice really is worth the squeeze. Basically, yes, in a in a word, in a word, yes. Well, Liz summed it up perfectly on the way home. I think even without realising, she said, you know, it, it's it makes you work, you know, it makes you work for every single ounce of happiness in that film, and you know, I think she actually hit the nail on the head. You know, everything, you know, every good thing comes kind of at the, the sake of something that's not necessarily bad, but you know, at the a horrible thing that's happened in his life. You know, some of it makes is, is some of it is is it make flint people flinching in the audience. Yeah. One particular sequence, um, but it uh, is quite yeah. tough. Yeah, not a feel good film. I mean, it is, but it's it, yeah, it's not the film good. Yeah, yeah, you have to, a person a person wanting to go and see this, expecting it to be jolly and and happy but, from the outset, would be I think would that wouldn't be helpful. But you have to. I would advise anyone going to see it. To stick with it, you have to stick with. You have to sit through the whole thing. You can't feel, just give up after half after halfway. Feel good film of the year to me sounds something like Mamma Mia, and this certainly isn't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's a di- it, it is feel good definitely, but it's different. It's just it's a different way of going about. It's a Danny Boyle way of going about it. I think. How about uh, feel good emotional ringer of the year? Yeah, feel good. Yeah, emotional roller coaster. But- but it's a ma- an amazing film and uh, a, a really well acted by the uh, by the you know the, the main. Co- I mean, Dev Patel obviously is the is obviously become a bit of a a bit of a hot property at the moment. And the film has obviously I think just um, done very well at the is it the Golden Globes? I think mm. it, it it won a load it's, of awards at that. It's so, amazing so, to think that it almost wasn't picked up up until a few months back. Astonishing. Just Danny talking about it. Yeah. Because now it's, really. it's cleaning up at the uh, the award centres. But now. Yeah, I, I, what I just want to say about it, you know, I said to you, Alex, you know, this is the best film I've seen this year. And obviously there, there's a tongue in cheek in the month. against the spirit? Never. Yeah, of course, because it's the thing is. But what I meant to really emphasize is if there is a better film this, that I will see this year, then it will be a, an absolutely fantastic year. I mean, if, if it stands, I mean, this, if this came out last year, this would have been my second favorite film of the year. I think mean, it's a, an absolute 
fantastic piece where I think it's Danny Boyle's most competent grown up and he kind of he's, he's kind of learnt all his lessons there's some weird mistakes that I think he's learnt throughout his career and I think this is his most complete uh, intelligent work and you really have to work for all the, the good stuff that comes out of it and the way that it tells the three storylines you know between you know, his young life his, you know, his middle age uh, teenage years and I guess and up into where he is now and it, it just it's seamless and it has this energy that Bollywood brings into films which you know, occasionally can be well over the top when you actually watch a Bollywood film, far too overpowering. And he, he kind of he takes that energy, harnesses it, and does, you know he manages to control it. Um, the performance is fantastic. I, I'm finding it's really hard because obviously everyone's really raving about it, and you know sometimes you hear that and you're like, oh for fuck's sake, just shut up about it. You know, I'm sick of hearing it. But I can honestly say, uh, you know, it, it needs to pick up everyone when it can because it's really, 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 really good. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised if it doesn't make my film of the year. Um, you know, yep. it's going to take something special. It, it would have been a brilliant year. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, Mark, the reverse of what Mark Kermode said last week. Where What was that rubbish film he was reviewing? He hated oh, Pride Wars. Pride Wars. If there's not, if it doesn't make his bottom ten of the year, it's, he'll resign. Because uh, yeah. there, there have been ten worse films than Bride Wars this year. For you, it's the opposite. If it doesn't make your top ten, you'll be very surprised I, and happy that there are ten films better than. I it. think the way the, I think one of the reasons yeah. one of the reasons I like it is actually got nothing to do with the money about you know because it, it's central. It's the pivot is who wants to be a millionaire, but it's got nothing to do with about that at all. I mean, that's I mean, there's no point in me spoiling anything about it because you know it'd ruin. Yeah, no, we need to wrap up as well. Yeah, I know any plot point I would tell you now would spoil it, but um, just some of the stuff that leads to that it, it's very very well put together and uh, yeah, I mean, well done, Danny Boyle. It's you know he's always been a name and obviously he's had big films in the past, but I think this will be the one that really pushes him into the. Uh, the big American mainstream now, something that I hope that Sunshine would do, and I don't necessarily think it did. So that's well, I think I, the thing I like about him is, is that he goes from Sunshine to doing this. I mean, he's, he's, he's got he's, he's a very it's his range is very diverse, which is I think to his advantage because it then means he could work. I mean, I don't necessarily know that the I, the, the 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 real main prize is necessarily working in Hollywood. He he wants to do his own. I don't thing. think he wants to now, and no. uh, and that's fine. I mean, he's he's made, I mean he's got some you know really really underrated films. We mentioned uh, Life, I think A Lifeless Ordinary probably is the most underrated film of his. I mean, without shadow of a doubt, I would say. But he's, you know, there's other things like millions and things like, it's just like when you look back at his catalogue of work, it's just wow, you know, there's an absolute you know, I actually said this when I got the cinema, it reminded me of a, like a cross version of um, City of God with millions mixed in for the good measure. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's right, you know, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a pretty fair, fair <laughs> analysis. You know, it, I highly recommend it and, uh, uh, it, I mean, obviously, if you are, if you have a five-month-old daughter and uh, it'll it'll, it That's might have to, <laughs> well, after that, I might have to. How find a how you go about that, I don't know. But uh, I, oh, I'd hang on, hang on, hang on. How about if, seeing, seeing in the, if you can see it on the big screen, it, it is worth yeah, it. Off air, yeah. My okay. brain is working. I'll off talk air. to you guys in a second <laughs> about that. Right. Okay. So, anything else? No. Okay. I really like this new format. Okay. So we will see you guys next week. Until then, weekend confirmed, and we are ghosts.